talking about the nature of how come some people can kind of hold focus in their life and hold a sense of endurance about their daily life. <laughs> how they have endurance about their daily life. Uh, you, you know, you may see um, this in a number of different fields. You see things like athletes. Some athletes, um, even though they have like what you might call short events, their training has, is over and over and repetitive and repetitive and it's a bit like a, a, a um, like yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon Nicole and I were down on the Gold Coast and we saw these, this team of, they were sprint, they were sprinters. But they just, for, the, for about one hour, they just did this four, 30 or 40 metre sprint and they would stop and they would walk back they would wait for a minute, they would sprint, they would walk back, they would wait for a minute, and they just did this over and over and over again. And they were really concentrating on their technique with how they were holding themselves as they were running. But the whole thing is, even though they may be like 10 seconds at best down the 100 metres, the enduring reality of that is they have to go over what they do again and again and again and again and again. And they train like this constantly until they get to race day, you know, so that race day is informed. They have this enduring reality. Some people, you find endurance in the relationship sphere of our lives. People's you know, last weekend, Dave, Dave mentioned about the nature of marriage. Marriages have an enduring reality about them. You have to do the same things over and over and over and over and over again so that a marriage can go a lifetime. Uh, some of us are in the workplace, you know, and we turn up for our jobs and you know, most people kind of like they, do, they love doing their job for a season, but then they get bored of the repetitive nature of it. But if you actually want to see a harvest of your workplace, you have to somehow endure that for, for something else that's yet to come. Endurance is a really interesting thing, and I want to touch on that this morning. Um, she's obviously not here this morning, but one of our young, young people, she was a child here in the vineyard, but now she's a young woman here in the vineyard, She's just graduated high school, and if you have the, any opportunity or time to spend with her, um, she is a remarkable human being with great endurance. And um, if any of you know Ula, she has an amazing story of endurance with regards to her health, conquering cancer twice, navigating that as, an, as a pre-teen, as a teen, and now as a young adult, as she's coming into greater and greater health. And it was just brilliant. I think it was beautiful and brilliant that at her graduation on Friday night, at, their, um, at the graduation um, party formal, um, she was um, awarded a coveted award at her school, which was called the Spirit of the Pine Award. In other words, her person added something of incredible value to the culture of the school. 
And in that, she, it says that she was, has inspired students to keep going when faced with setbacks and challenge, demonstrating resilience and tenacity, and she's been an active member of her school community, taking part in many events and holding leadership positions throughout her senior year of high school. The point is, though, if you've known Ula and her story, she has had to both endure circumstance with regards to her health, but she did it in a way that was enduring, so she was able to actually go the distance and still continues to go to the distance. Now, Paul, in his letter to the, um, to the Colossian church, he talks about endurance, and that's what I want to touch on this morning. What is this thing called endurance? Why is it so important? And why does Paul talk about it? Now, Colossians, we talked about it last week, just to set the scene before we read the scripture again together, um, to set the scene, it, this was a time that Paul's writing to his people, at this, in this, these people of Jesus, where it was a historically very confusing time. Culture was going through massive change and flux. There was a new king in the earth, or a new emperor in Rome, and then there was a new king in the earth. His name was Jesus. But it was a time when um, there was lots of flux, and all of the fixed points of culture had been removed and kept being and kept moving. And so it was in the midst of this that King Jesus calls a group of people to himself and Paul writes to them. And one of the things he says to them is, guys, I'm praying for you because you're going to need this because this walk with King Jesus thing, if you want to see your life flourish in King Jesus and the hope of the kingdom of God, if you want to see your family, your workplace, if you want to see your town or your city flourish, I'm praying for you you, because you're going to need it. Because what's going to be required of you is endurance. Now, it's, it's that context that Paul's writing into. And he loves the church. It's a great church. They're trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus as Lord and not Caesar as Lord and still survive and not be killed by that good confession. It was a time when the gods were um, being, being um, uh, dethroned because Jesus was being enthroned in the lives of these people. No longer were, were the Baals and the gods and the goddesses in all of the temples being worshipped with people's resources, time and energy. They were instead being dethroned by the fact that Jesus was now being enthroned. And so there was this great spiritual battle going on over the city. And at the same time, it was a time where these early Jesus people are trying to figure out how do we have relationship with the Jewish people who are on the fringe of culture and how do we have relationship with our town as well. But it was in the midst of this that God was setting about his plan to make everything new again. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and um, whoop, we'll go back here, verses 9 through 12. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives you. 
it gives, so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and, joy, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in, in the kingdom of the light. There's a couple of key phrases there that Paul picks up and um, we're going to touch on those in a minute. One is glorious and one is might. You know, uh, at best I can run five kilometres. At best. These days maybe not even that. <laughs> but to get to the finish line there are moments in that sort of 30 plus minutes where I actually have to choose somewhere along the line to endure this reality to get to the finish line. I also <clears throat> pay my nephew to train me every Thursday morning at a silly hour for 45 minutes, not in running, but just in general fitness, and he trains me. And this week, on Thursday morning, he decided it would be really good if I would do these things called dips. I don't know if you've heard of dips, but you get on these bars and you kind of you dip down and then you push back up and the whole idea is it strengthens your whole back and shoulders and your chest and you have to dip he says you're going to do 20 of them and then you're going to follow it by holding this these two 20 kilo weight um, plates just in front of you like that for one minute just one minute and so i'm like yeah right I no trouble let's go so i'll do the 20 dips punch them out and then I stand there and he loads these two 20 kilo plates on my arms in front of me. He says, I just want you to, don't let your arms down, just hold them flat out in front of you for one minute, that's all, just one minute. I'm like, right, hey, let's do this. And I get to about the 25 second mark and I'm just like, oh no, this is not good. This is not good. And I start yelling at him. <laughs> and he's like, don't yell at me. Focus on doing this job. And I said, I am trying to focus. It was your great idea to put these plates on my arms. And anyway, and he tries to distract me with thinking about something else and talking about something else. And at that point in time, I, he, he, I get to about the 40-second mark and he calls it and I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And he could see in my eyes and my face that I was yielding to the weight at the 40-second mark. And then he says to me, don't you drop that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm paying you. <laughs> and he says, don't you drop that. He says, come on. And, and, and so he, he just coached me for that last 20 seconds to remain given to holding those plates. And by the end of that one minute, I'm just like shaking all over, trying to hold that posture. But he, he helped me to make a decision that even though my body was shaking under this pressure, that my mind had to come into a place of agreement with the task that was at hand. And as a result of that, somehow my body was able to partner with that decision for that enduring circumstance of one minute, <laughs> of one minute endurance. And he said, that was so great. Take 30 seconds, we're going to do that again. And so we did that like five times over. And by the end of the fifth one, I, you know, my nephew, I, I almost like said, you're no longer family. 
<laughs> it was so powerful. Anyway, but anyway, might. Paul talks about the glorious might of God that helps us to endure. Now, often we think, if I can just grin and bear it in my own strength, my life circumstance and situations, then I can get through this thing. If I can just, we talk about, you know, grin and bear it, grit, you know, hold on, I'll get through. That is not what Paul's talking about here. He is not talking about that kind of might, where in circumstances of life, you need to just grin and bear it, or pull up your socks, or just, you know, hang in there, you'll be right, mate. It's not that kind of might at all. When Paul uses this word might, he's actually using a word in the Greek that has got a long history to it. And the word in the Greek is the word, I want, in my best Australian English, it's kratos. And kratos is, literally means the power to have dominion. And so what Paul's actually doing is he's reaching way, way, way back into the Genesis account where God says to Adam and Eve, I give you dominion over the earth, over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, and I give you dominion to care for this creation in my name and with my authority and my power to live a fruitful life. Paul's talking about how this might of God to have dominion over all things is now alive in you and I as the people of King Jesus. Paul's saying you need to understand God wants to give you dominion. Now, what does that look like as a human being? Well, it looks like this. Just picture Jesus in the boat and the waves are like, and the, you know, he's having a snooze and the disciples are freaking out because the waves are all built, you know, splashing over the boat and they're worried that the boat's going to tip over and they're all going to drown. And, and they wake him up and they say, you don't care about us, do you, Jesus? <laughs> and Jesus says, what are you worried about? And he just stands up and he says to the creation, he says, be still. Now, I think there was a bunch of demonic infrastructure behind what was happening to the creation, but in the midst of that, Jesus said, be still, and it was still. And I think that was an interesting word that came from um, Craig this morning in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Now, traditionally, we hear that and we read that and we think, oh, I need, I need to just stop overthinking things and I need to become mindful of God. No, that's not what the psalm is saying. The psalm is saying that God, when he speaks and says, be still, it's as if the warrior God himself has risen from the throne and he's telling every war, every spiritual power, everything that's chaotic in the earth, he's saying to that, be still and know that I am God and you are not. That's what it means to be still and know that he is God. It's that he has dominion and authority and glory and power over all things. And it's that, it's that same God. Paul is saying to the people of King Jesus, it's that God 
who lives in you. And if you would live in his glorious might, in his great authority, Jesus speaks to the creation, be still. Jesus conquers Satan in the desert where he is tempted to give way to the works of the enemy. And he says, no, I won't, I won't give way. Jesus, in his human state, under the power of the Holy Spirit, conquers the enemy in the desert where life is testing and hard. He says, no, I won't give myself to that. He also, Jesus also conquers Satan and death when he goes to the cross, deals with sin, breaks its power and authority, goes to the, to the place of the dead, conquers death, rises again. Jesus has dominion now over death itself. See, death doesn't win. He has dominion over creation. He has dominion over Satan. He has dominion over death. He has dominion over the demons or the gods. He has, when every time he'd see them, he'd say, you come out, you leave. He has dominion over the angelic realms where he, he commissions his ministering spirits on behalf of the people of God. Paul is trying to remind the people of King Jesus, if you're going to do this journey called the kingdom of God for the sake of yourself, your family, your friends and your region, you need to understand you are going to have to endure and the only way you will endure is if King Jesus himself and his power and his authority leads you, not how much you can grin and bear it and if you can hold the plate for two minute, one minute, the heavy plates for one minute. That's not going to get you there. Only King Jesus will. And this is what Paul's telling the church. Paul reminds them. He, he also calls this mighty work of God glorious, which is... There is no other example like the example of King Jesus. See, Jesus helps us to understand what it truly means to walk and live in our right human vocation in relationship with God. Endurance, it takes endurance. Now, this idea of endurance, it does mean a sense of steadfastness. It has this long-term life about it. And I think perhaps one of the reasons why people um, in my, you know, this is just my take on things, but people struggle to go long distance and long-term with things is because they don't have a vision of what's at the finish line. They don't actually have a compelling vision of what's in front of them at the finish line. There's a... Um, um, psychiatrists from uh, during World War II, Viktor Frankl, he wrote a book called The Meaning, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Craig. Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl himself with his, his pregnant wife and his parents were in a concentration camp. His parents um, and his wife, pregnant wife, didn't survive. He did. But one of the things that Frankel did was he took some time to ask the question, why was it that some people under great duress, external, terrible duress, 
Why was it that some people could go the distance and some could not? And it was interesting because the ones that went the distance were not the physically fit. The ones that went the distance were not the young. The ones that went the distance were the ones who carried in their heart an unfinished story that was outside the walls of the camp, that was calling them onward. It was this compelling future reality that they held deep in their heart that helped them to go the distance. And in so being able to see what was still unfinished over the fence, it burned in their heart and called them forward. I think we are a people, as people of King Jesus, are a people who are invited to be a people who have a compelling reality of the kingdom of God. And without that compelling reality of what does it fully look like when God has his way in making everything right, in conquering all sin and death, ridding it from all things in the whole earth and the heavens begins to get renewed, do we understand, and we understand our place in that big story, we will not go the distance either unless we have that compelling vision. I remember, you know, listening to David teaching last weekend on the podcast during the week. He, he told the story of his father who, who spent 30-something years as a bus driver in this local town, picking children up, picking people up, safely taking them to their next destination and, and along the way making sure that they were well cared for. And he did that for 30 years and it was amazing. I, I did go to the funeral service. It was incredible. This place was like 900 people. It was just packed out and overflowing with people from all quarters of this region who had been touched by this bus driver man who had a long-term vision of loving his, his community by doing a daily task over and over and over and over again. And the fruit of that was near a 1,000 people wanting to stop and say thank you. And the fruit of that is a community that says, we don't want to lose the memory of the influence of this man either. And so they've written his name over one of the bus doors. And that bus still tours our community every day with his name on it. And so as everyone sees his name, they remember the influence of this one man who loved their community, who loved his community well. That's how you turn a region over. You love it daily, consistently, honourably, but with a long-term goal of the kingdom of God is at hand. In 2003, some 16 years ago, Nicole and I, we sat down and we said, yes, Lord Jesus, to letting him take a hold of our life for this local church. And that has led us on an amazing series of um, stories and journey. But one of the first things that King Jesus did when we said yes in 2003 to pastoring this local church, he gave us a vision. He gave us a vision of what God is up to for our region. And that's why we are still here, loving our people, loving our region, because God has burned something so deep within us. It's not up for sale. It's not up for sale. It's not going anywhere. And every time we sit before him, 
He brings it before our eyes time and time and time again. In, in that moment, there was two things that King Jesus said to Nicole and I personally, and that has become our daily life for the last 16 years, which is stay close to me and keep up with me. That's, that's, that's our daily do, staying close to Jesus and keeping up with him. And we do that over and over and over again. And in the 16 years that we've done that daily, 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 is we have seen a couple of generations grow, be empowered by the kingdom of God and go off into the world to make their mark on the world. We've also seen, and you know, if I was to add it up and without, I mean, if I was to add it up, there would be over 100,000 people who have visited the Vineyard Mercy Centre for, in their moment of time of, of need. 100,000 people. You want to you reach 100,000 people with the mercy and the kindness of God? What does it take? Daily turning up. Daily saying yes. Daily choosing to sacrifice for the cause of the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have a compelling vision of what is still coming towards us for our community, for our region. Every daily step we take in obedience and love for King Jesus is bringing generational transformation and change into a town. You've got to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the kingdom of God. You're, living, you're not living in yourself. You're living in the kingdom of God. King Jesus has brought you out of yourself and into him that you might come alive and live in his kingdom and what he's up to. Every little yes, every time you say, Lord Jesus, here, take this little bit of money that I have because you've said give it. Every time you do that, you enthrone the kingdom agenda and you dethrone the kingdom of darkness, even with your giving, with your time, every time when you think you don't have any time to give and you say, I will make time, you enthrone the kingdom of God and you dethrone the kingdom of darkness. Every time you choose to invest yourself personally in every regard that Jesus says, would you do this for me? You are making a generational impact into a region of people. I love this journey called the journey of Jesus, but it's one that requires endurance. And Paul has said it there, that endurance is this capability to live without being swerved, this idea of not, you know, being taken off course, but this idea of having this compelling, burning vision of what the Father is up to. Now, it's interesting, when Jesus prays, in, you can read through John 17 in all of this, but his prayer... His final prayer goes something like this. Father, I've done everything you've asked me to do. He was living for the glory of someone else, for his father. And that's how we go the distance when we live for someone else. And that namely is Jesus. So how do we do this thing? Well, you've got to understand you're in this for the long game. You're in it for the long game. 
I know that we don't like that kind of talk culturally, but it's a long game and you're in it for a lifetime with God. Every decision you make today has implication and impact for the generations that are coming after you. And if you live with vision for yourself, for your family, for your friends and for the kingdom, you will see over a thousand people turn up at your funeral and give thanks to God and give thanks to the living God. Your yes, this very moment, has massive impact for the people who are still to come. God needs your yes. He needs my yes every day. Jesus is Lord. He is the King. He's the God over all of the gods in our, in our region where he's inviting us to partner with him to dethrone the powers and enthrone the kingdom of God in our town. Jesus is making everything beautiful with his life right here, right now. And it's going to take endurance. And the way to get there is if you have a vision from God himself of what he's up to. I think for many of us, we spend a lot of our life swinging our arms in the air, hoping that we might punch the target, but we have really no idea what we're up to. And I think the kingdom of darkness likes that. But when there's people who turn up with the enduring reality of a vision of Jesus and what he is doing, your every yes dethrones the kingdom of darkness and enthrones the kingdom of God in your life and around your life. This morning, God wants to give vision to you. God wants to give you a compelling vision of what God is up to so that you can partner with him to see his kingdom come. And if you're feeling like I've spent the last bunch of years of my life just swinging my arms in the air, hoping to somehow hit the target, today is the day where you don't have to do that anymore. But you can come into the mighty, glorious power of King Jesus for your life. This morning, Jesus is Lord.